we are in the second week of a series entitled um, Hope Beyond Sight. It is a series that's looking at truth that formed, um, served as a foundation for our mission and vision plan. And we're going to work through that. We looked last week at the mission and vision plan, the statements that we had about discipleship. And this morning we're going to look at the vision statements that we have regarding fellowship. Um, There's two other areas we're going to continue with. That would be missions and worship. This morning we're going to focus on fellowship. And there's a lot of time and discernment. I probably have said that and it bears repeating. Um, A lot of time spent in prayer and discernment to craft the vision statement. Some of those look um, fairly, I don't want to say plain, but um, they were crafted together very carefully. And and the prayer and discernment that went into them um, in part was grounded in looking at who is it that we really are. And so there was a lot of time spent um, looking, at, taking an honest look at the body of Jesus Christ, uh, looking at who it is that we are in different areas, um, and then holistically, with an understanding of we, we need to know that so we would have an awareness, a sense of how to get to who and where God wants us to be, who He wants us to become. And regarding fellowship, we came up with a statement. People who seek and yearn to spend time together laughing and celebrating with each other. To demonstrate um, forgiveness, gratitude, and unconditional love to one another. That's something that I want you just to think about for a moment. What would that look like uh, in the body of Jesus Christ lived out in fullness? I think that's who God desires us to become in part. That that would be true of us in a beautiful and in a wonderful way. And as a church, um, we looked at, again, some of the things that were true about who we were. And certainly elements of that exist. All praise and glory to God. But we realize there's a couple of things um, that, that really, as we think about becoming that maybe are things that, I don't want to say hinder, but that are something that we need to work through to be able to experience that in fullness. And one of them is a very good thing. And we believe that, that Rehoboth as a whole, by and large, represents the people that are in the communities surrounding us. And one of the things that's true about the communities that's surrounding us is that they have an incredible work ethic. They deeply value hard work. So I'm really speaking to all of you. By and large, you people who value hard work, what it represents, what it can mean in a heart and in a life. We also realized that when you think about Rehoboth specifically, in the not-too-distant and recent past, there's been some hard moments. So you throw in some other factors, you put them all in a pot, if you will, you mix them all together, and the truth is, we might be a a group of people who could use some fellowship and some fun at a greater level. That's a truth. That's a reality. Now that would be enough to think about in terms of the desire that we all have in our hearts for that, right? Right? 
I, I guess if, if, and maybe I'll ask, who, who is it here that really likes, desires to have fellowship and fun with other people? We're going to find out who the real isolationists are right now. Yeah, I think that's true for all of us. It's, it's part of who we were created to be, right? To spend time together with other people in community. To enjoy the presence of others. To have robust fellowship. That would be enough. The reality is, is in all of the church growth studies that have ever been done, I've never seen one where this hasn't been true. Most notably, the most extensive one ever called natural church development. Not only is it something that, that people enjoy or that want to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ, any vibrant, healthy church has it as an essential part of who they are. Did you catch that? So, so if you're a healthy, vibrant church, if people would say that about the body of Jesus Christ that they belong to, a natural part of that is going to be robust, invigorating, deep fellowship. Part of that is confusing to me in a way because most of the churches that I've been a part of don't necessarily rank that high on the list of priorities despite its importance. Maybe because the churches I've been a part of are a serious bunch. I don't know. There's fellowship, but when we start talking about it and the importance of it and the need for it, it kind of like gets devalued despite the fact that we know how important it is in our personal lives and the reality and the truth that if you've ever been a part of any group and you weren't having real fellowship and you weren't enjoying your time as a part of that group, you decided to leave that group. Test that theory in your mind and in your heart. As much as you'd like to persevere and stick with it, it just doesn't work when people aren't really enjoying their time together. Things disintegrate. So we know that it's true. We know that it's real. And that's something that we hope and believe and trust will be in in a powerful and profound way, the way that you see on the screen as a part of who we'll continue to be and become. That's God's destination point for us. There's a great example of it in truth. Acts 2. I'd like to ask you to open up the Word of God. We're going to have the words on the screen. And just envision in your mind uh, and in your heart um, images, snapshots of what this looked like and what it looks like. Hear the living Word of God. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the Word of God. Might it be written in our hearts and lived in our lives. That's a pretty awesome picture, isn't it? It's got a lot of different pictures in it. Call it a collage of pictures of existence, of being, of, of a reality, of a body of Jesus Christ. I love this passage. 
Because I can't help but look at it and just, just soak it all in and think about what it represented in real time in real lives. And so I see these, these people and what it is that they're doing. And I see images and, and I ask you if you don't see the same thing. I see images of people that that are laughing and celebrating together, that are actually having fun together, that are celebrating God's goodness in a lot of different ways. And I love that there is this understanding that it's a heart set. A heart set. It's something that that was just a part of who they were. It was this this they call it organic natural, I would call it a spirit led created, ignited in the hearts, these things that are happening, the inclusivity that's all throughout this passage, you see those words, all, everyone, is just filled with it. Great things. Great things like being devoted to four things in particular. You read that in verse 42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and what that means then, of course, to learning. They were hungry. They had a desire to grow. To grow as followers of Jesus Christ. Something they committed to, again, were devoted to prayer. They were committed and devoted to prayer. Spending time together in prayer. Praying to God. To the breaking of bread. And to fellowship. Fellowship. One of the four things that this early church was devoted to. And the Greek word here is a word maybe some of you have heard before, koinia. I guess I can't say that three times fast, can I? Koinia, a Greek word. And, and the word is, speaking of, has as a root part of it, close and intimate deep bonding or unity in the spirit. That's what that word means. And sometimes people read this and they see the way that it's worded and to the fellowship and maybe think that that means um, to the body or to the group. And, and that word fellowship can be used that way, right? It can be used as a noun. Speaking of a group of people with similar interests, that's how it would be defined in the dictionary. And you see that sometimes. A group, and it's kind of a highbrow way to say that word, is called a fellowship. But that's not how it's used here. It's a verb. And um, John Calvin would say, just look at the context. If you're wondering what that word means, look at everything that's happening in the passage, in all of the parts and the pieces. And so you can understand what's being said when it says they were devoted to fellowship. to to deep and intimate relationships, to building those, to being a part of that and experiencing it. And that creates incredible, wonderful, awesome moments. We read that that was happening as well. They were experiencing and enjoying awesome moments together. That's what verse 43 speaks about. Um, People were just in awe of what was taking place. It was a really profound environment. An environment that I think anybody who was in the midst of it and they experienced it wouldn't have that sense of awe and excitement about. 
Have you ever been there? Have you been in a moment in, in a group or, or, or at an event or something like that and you felt that kind of, if you want to call it electricity, but, and I would say in a spiritual connotation, if you've ever been a part of either a, a worship service or a, a body of people, whether it was in prayer or a Bible study or anything else, and you just had that presence, call it a God moment. It just is, it's awesome. It's incredible. And that's what they were experiencing. And they were experiencing it together. They had that heart set, that commitment. The verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. It's, it's who they were. And, and I love that about envisioning not only who they were, but what God is calling us to think about and who it is that he's asking us to strive to be. That, that's that destination so so what we're reading here is given as an example and a truth about god's desire his hopes for the church for people who united together in his spirit in jesus christ in terms of who they'll be and who they'll become more and more and granted you know these were different people right they were People who came from different towns and communities. Bethlehem. Bethany. Even Emmaus. People who were within a stone's throw, a day's walk of Jerusalem. Coming together to be the body of Jesus Christ. They lived in different places. They had different homes. They had different jobs. They had different interests. Does that sound familiar? And they came together to worship God. And develop this strong fellowship as they did that was profound, that was wonderful. Because of what they were devoted to and what they were experiencing. And, and it reached incredible proportions. Did, did you catch that in this passage? Or maybe do you have it before you still? Verse 45, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. I think about that. How, how, how awesome is that? What does that demonstrate that's real and true about who it is that they were being? They had such deep relationships that if somebody over here was having hardship or a problem, the people over there would respond to it. And say, we see your need. We want to help. Whatever it might be. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? I think so. <laughs> really wonderful, profound. And then verse 46. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They worshiped together. Temple courts. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they had church service every day, that they got together in the temple, maybe to pray, maybe to share news and to celebrate and to praise God, maybe to have a, a Bible study, just sit in the corner somewhere in the temple and share. And the import is they were, they were getting together. It was important to them. 
And they did it not just at the temple, but in their own homes. Ate together. And I think the part of of maybe, I I think about those things and the pictures and the images that they produce. But then the, the last few words of that statement in verse 46 is what really um, brings it out to me with glad hearts with sincere hearts gladly sincerely so this wasn't something this whole idea of being together of experiencing fellowship wasn't something that they were needing to to literally um, do out of obligation. They weren't doing it that way. They weren't doing it reluctantly. They weren't doing it begrudgingly. They weren't doing it hypocritically. They really desired to get together with one another. And they enjoyed it. I think that's a great statement about a heart set, isn't it? And I know we can tell that that's true um, when we get together with other people, right? Where their hearts are at even in the moment? Have, have you ever, has anybody here ever celebrated family reunions? Yeah, that is a great place to go if you want to see people who look like they're having their teeth pulled. I'm just saying. Not everybody enjoys them. And sometimes there's people there who would much rather be doing about a million other things. There's other events and stuff like that. But that, so you see, that's why, that's why I love what, what we're reading and what we're seeing in terms of an example in this body of Jesus Christ. It, it's really awesome to think about. So, so people were honestly, authentically, genuinely loving those moments and those experiences. I think of all kinds of different things. I see all different kinds of things, and even in, in, as I relate it to the church today, about what that looks like. You know, there truly is something in that eating um, together, and, and uh, you know, food is one of those great things that brings people together. So dinners, lunches, I'm not so big on breakfast, but I suppose I can include that too. Coffee, just getting together. And what that does and how that works and builds relationships. Really great, really awesome. And that's what they were experiencing. And it created incredible results. See, real fellowship impacts lives of people who are following Jesus Christ. And of course, that's not uh, inclusive to people who are following Jesus. It's true for anybody. And so I would ask you to think about that as well in the living of life. I kind of mentioned it early on. And and so as you look at the whole of this passage, you you have to see and walk away from the sense that this was a group of people who were being impacted. There were things that were happening in their lives that were good and great. And isn't that true of, of any organization, any team that you've ever been a part of? that you really enjoyed? Is that not true? That when those moments happen and you experience that, it impacts you to the good? You know, when when, when you're a a part of a group, um, and so you look at it from maybe it's easier to see too from the other perspective, that when things aren't going well, 
when there is dissension, when there is division, when there isn't like-mindedness, when there isn't joy, when there aren't awesome things happening. And and you can think about um, any sphere or spectrum in your life or things that you've been a part of, again, groups of people. When that is happening, it's not good. And it might still impact you, but it might not impact you in a positive way. It will impact you in a negative way. And that's one of the ways in terms of when I've been serving God and thinking about ministry teams and other groups. When there starts to be attrition and when things start to, to happen, there's something wrong there. And usually it has to do with heart set. Maybe it has to do with individuals, but usually it's people aren't having enjoyment. They're not having fellowship in whatever group that is. It's just a truism. Because real fellowship impacts the lives of people following Jesus and others. So that's what God wants us to be and to become. People who are knit together in the heart at a deep way. Intimate fellowship, real relationships. And what we see in this passage is what I would call a a perfect greenhouse. There's watering, there's planting, there's fertilizing. The temperatures are right spiritually to create this incredible experience that impacted people's hearts and people's lives in a profound and a wonderful way. You wonder where they learned that from? Do you remember or you read in the um, Gospels about the example of Jesus? And by the way, he got ridiculed for it. You might remember that too. But one of the things that he did, you read about it time and time and time again. He didn't say, hey, you come here. I want to teach you some deep things about theology. Now, he did do that. But but he said to guys like Matthew, come on, let's go. And the next verse, you... You read about him being at his house, doing what? Eating, celebrating, spending time together, opening the door to opportunities to go deep and be deep together. It started with a dinner. He's a little bit more bold when he meets Zacchaeus. He tells him, hey, I'm coming to your house today, self-invitation. I think I'm guilty of that sometimes. But what was he saying to Zacchaeus in that moment? Somebody who was really not well-liked. I'm going to spend time with you. I don't think Zacchaeus had too many invitations like that. Jesus said, I just want to be with you. And what happened, you can read the rest of the story. Zacchaeus' life was changed simply because Jesus took the time, had fellowship, with him. See, they learned from Jesus Christ, the disciples, the, the early church, about the importance 
of fellowship and having fun together and just being together. And then I would submit to you, um, I don't know what you think about, uh, you know, there's a lot of different thoughts. And there's a lot of different thoughts in the secular world about what we just went through this past year. You know, and I, and I try to, you could call it a broad brush approach, but to wipe it all away with one thought, and that is this, that Satan did his very best to keep people from spending time together, especially the church. See, that's his goal. To rip any good and healthy relationship that you have apart. If it involves anything, God. So the the greatest level of everything is centered and grounded in that. And you can take all of the things that happened and all of the ways and all of the things that transpired and spilled out. It all flows out of that reality that that was Satan's goal. In some ways, he did a really good job. But that's why I praise God for this moment of worshiping together and not taking it for granted of spending time together and being together, the body of Jesus Christ and all the incredible moments and the blessings that it brings. And envision deep fellowship leading to deep relationships with God and with others at Rehoboth. And I hope and trust that you do as well that you have hope beyond sight of what things can look like in the future. Yeah, sure, based on what they are now. You know, in communicating this and looking at this truth and in this passage, um, it's not saying that that's not true. But I would submit to you, just in terms of being honest, if you read the passage, is that where we're at? I don't think so. Is it where we can be and where we can move towards? Absolutely. And that would be my hope. Hope of seeing things not yet seen. Of experiencing things not yet experienced. In the area of what it means to have fellowship. I mean, we did some things to work towards that. Developed and crafted, formed a fellowship team whose intentions, whose responsibilities are to do just that to work at creating opportunities for fellowship. And we put that in our vision plan. Those are up on the screen, two things. The first one is simply creating or aligning opportunities for all ages in our church and community to get together and, yes, have fun. I want you to note a couple things about that. It speaks about us together, but it speaks about in the community as well. So you look at verse 47, it says what? Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Connections were being made and they were being made daily. What a beautiful picture, right? It's awesome. It's wonderful. And so that's something that we envision and that we're going to take direction and have steps of intentionality towards 
creating those kinds of opportunity because of what they'll lead to and to what they'll become. And second, um, growing a vibrant and stimulating small group ministry where people experience deep fellowship through the building of personal and forever relationships with each other and with God. Um, part of the heart and soul, and it was another um, part of, of that natural church development. So they coexist, deep fellowship, and then a vibrant small group ministry. Those two things go together. And I don't know if you were part of a, a small group or you've experienced that, but when that happens at, at a wonderful level, there, there's these relationships that are being built. And at, at, again, at multiple, uh, multiple levels, there, there's relationships that are being built with God that are growing. There, there's impacting there. And then certainly within the people within that group. That's a sign of, of a healthy small group. And it's our desire to create that in, in a very real and powerful way in the heart and in the life of Rehoboth. Their small group ministry is a part of adult discipleship and fellowship that is thriving. So, I, you know, I asked, so we were at, at our team meeting this past Tuesday. And I said at the team meeting, um, I said, you know, and I think about fellowship and I think about getting together. I had this kind of like this verbal thought. And I said, why is it? that women are so much better at that, right? They, they just are. They're better at getting together um, than men are. Without missing a beat, Judy Meyering said, it's because girls just want to have fun. <laughs> I, I almost didn't know how to respond in that moment. But it's true, Maybe. That's why people get together. It's a great thing to think about. And so I just want to end um, thinking of hope beyond sight. With three um, challenges for you. you. You look at this truth. You think about the reality of who you are and what you desire in your heart. Out of groups, out of bodies of Jesus Christ. Three challenges for you to think about relative to those two vision statements in terms of opportunities and small group ministries. And the first is very simple. It's participate. And so when opportunities come up, I mean, if you, you are wondering about and I, what it would be like, again, to, to, to experience maybe some more joy as a body of Jesus Christ when these events come up, participate. Come and find out. And then beyond that, um, not only come yourself, but invite somebody to come with you, somebody from the community, somebody that um, isn't a part of a body of Jesus Christ, well, whatever that might mean. An, an ATV ride, um, euchre, small group, different events. Think about what that would look like for not only you to come, but to invite somebody else as well. And then um, to pray to have God ignite our hearts with a devotion for fellowship. So that that would be real about who it is that we are, that we'd be just as the early church was devoted to it. And that would be demonstrated because of what was happening and what was taking place.
that there'd be all kinds of wonderful things, experiences um, that were happening day in and day out in the life of the body of Jesus Christ and in your heart and in your life. And you'd be impacted by it because, yes, you want to have fun. As I mentioned, I think in the vlog, um, never devalue the importance of genuine fellowship and what it means and what it brings to the hearts and the lives of God's people. It's important. And we're going to walk um, intentionally towards it and create opportunities for it. I hope in the future, whatever that looks like and whatever that means, you come and you bring a friend. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, I thank you for your truth. And I thank you for that picture of the early church. Lord, in so many ways, um, the body of Jesus Christ, not only here but in other places, resembles that. Lord, there is fellowship. There are great things that are taking place. And yet, oh Lord, as we think about the importance of it, um, I hope and trust that we just open our hearts up to it and that you, oh God, deep inside, just ignite it. As there be this genuine joy at gathering together and being together. And that we'd see what that means and what that looks like because it would be our experience in real time. I praise you and I thank you for that. And I ask, oh Lord, that you know, there'd be anybody here that would be wondering what that looks like. Lord, that we'd have the conversations and we'd have the the dinners and the lunches together and people would invite them to their homes to break bread and your blessings would flow that your presence would be experienced in powerful and wonderful ways in your name I pray it Amen